Hello everyone and welcome to episode 85 of Double DM. This week we talk about GMing mindsets and especially adversarial GMing. We talk about how you as a GM probably aren't adversarial to your players, but also how you might have slipped into that mindset unknowingly. We talk a lot about making conscious decisions at the table and checking yourself often enough on why you are doing the things you are doing as a GM. Again, don't worry, you are probably doing just fine, but still, in this episode, you will have some advice on making sure you understand what you are doing as a GM because sometimes seeing the bigger picture is hard. So sit back and let's chat about making your TTRPGs better in this episode of Double DM. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Double DM. With me, as per usual, is my lovely co-host Emil and I am, as usual, your host Niels. How are you today, Emil? I'm doing fine. It's a good Friday morning. I'm feeling refreshed. It's been a good week. It was great. So what did, your, uh, what did make your week so great? First of all, it started off with a lot of video games. Mm -hmm. Because why not? Because... I have free time, I um, am ready to play video games, and I play video games a lot. Um, I had D&D on Tuesday, on Thursday, I had another TTRPG on Thursday, so I had three TTRPG sessions this week. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's that's that. So, pretty good week so far. <laughs> yeah, I'm And gonna promise to become better once on Sunday I get my uh, washing machine. Have fun carrying that up. Uh, that, that will be the problem. But we will manage in some way or another. Most definitely. And uh, one of the three TTRPG sessions was rather impromptu, right? Uh, rather impromptu, he says. <laughs> we played rock, paper, scissors for who is not gonna DM, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we sat down, wanted to play some video games, but one person was missing, so we decided, hey, let's play a one-shot. Why the fuck not? So we played a one-shot. It, it was amazing. <laughs> It was incredibly fun. It was... I can't really recommend it to anyone to do that because obviously that's not how this works, right? You, you, you can't just plan for an impromptu one-shot because if you plan for it, you're already planning for it. That's the problem. But if you ever find yourself in the situation where you're like sitting around a table with like four or five friends or on Discord or whatever and don't know what to do, just say, let's play D&D. And if all your friends say yes, you can do that. It's gonna be a hell of a lot of fun. Oh yeah. It's gonna be chaotic as hell. And you can play whatever you want. You can play your own game, your home game. You can play a pre-made one-shot from DM's guild or whatever. Or, I don't know, just take random tables from the DMG and PHP and roll with that and only go after random tables. That could also be a thing. Yeah. Whatever you want, but these impromptu one-shots kind of... It's funny because this one-shot kind of reminds me of why I love TTRPGs so much. Not necessarily because I forgot, but just because it was something different once again. And it says just making these random fun experiences that you cannot get anywhere else. We, we could have played just yeah. five rounds of League of Legends or whatever other video game we wanted to play, and that would have been cool, but it would have never been as fun as this impromptu one-shot. Never. Exactly. It, it just yeah, wouldn't it have been possible to have that much fun playing any video game instead of that one-shot. Exactly. And you did an amazing job, especially regarding that once we had our characters, you just opened the module or the mm -hmm. adventure, and then we just went with it. It was amazing. Yeah, I... I <laughs> 
I spent the time you guys were looking for characters for which one shot do I want to play. I found one and then read the one shot a bit and then said, uh, that's kind of a bad adventure for one shot for these characters. So I'm gonna just skip ahead and take the second adventure in that Adventurous League series because I looked for Adventurous League models because I know those are rather easy to run because they're mm -hmm. very well made most of the time. So I looked at that, found one from the Frozen Cold, Frozen Dark series, I don't know, Cold Dark, whatever, something along those lines. R downloaded the first where you have to establish some kind of safe house. And I was like, yeah, that's cool, but it just wouldn't have been that much fun as the second series where you have that safe house established and need to do something else. I don't want to spoiler that. I don't know if that's still played in Adventurous League or getting played or whatever, so I don't want to spoiler the second one-shot before the first or something. It's fun. Yeah. And yeah, then we played for like three and a half to four hours, uh, including character creation and one-shot searching. But since I didn't have, didn't want to run the first series, I had to search for the second. And that was basically the time where you guys said, oh, we're ready. And I was like, okay, okay. Download, read the first page, let's go. Yeah. And I think especially these impromptu one-shots really help out your skill in improvisation mm -hmm. a lot. Because you have to, you obviously have to think on your toes. Because yeah. you haven't done any prepping and you you just don't know what to expect. You just so cannot you just prepare for it, right? It's impossible exactly. to know what... You don't even know what characters you're getting because the players don't know until you start playing. Yeah, and it just helps you to get into that mindset, mm -hmm. I think, to just go with the flow yeah. and deal with everything that is mm -hmm. going to happen mm -hmm. once we get to that. Definitely, it also reminded me of why you should play more one-shots in general, even if it's in the same, same system that you like, because in your campaign, you have these set structures that's this set meta structure to it. These characters are getting played by the players in this way. You as the GM have to do this story that you've prepared or laid out or that the players are going along or whatever. But in a one shot, everything gets mm -hmm. thrown out the window and you start from a blank once again. And that blank start is the moment that defines what you learn about GMing in that one shot. Like, for example, this one shot, yeah. uh, I think I learned a bit more on how to resolve character actions quicker um, because mm -hmm. you three all had your own plans and wanted to do stuff and how I make sure that I can switch between you three in a very fast way to not let anyone sit there for 20 minutes and do nothing. In a campaign, that's fine because the next session, they could be the one that is acting for 20 minutes. But in a one-shot, it's not. If someone is sitting there for 30 minutes of the four-hour agreed-upon time, they are gonna get bored because they just lost an eighth of their time. Yeah, but let me reassure you, you did an amazing job. Oh, I know. Again, it was... Hello fun. Yeah, it definitely was fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Is there anything else you want to talk about in this week? Nothing much, just uh, customers again being customers, but that's an old book. Ah, the old book of customers and being customers. Yeah, just beautiful. And a friend of mine got the news that he found a flat uh -huh. here in Berlin and because he thought about moving to Bonn or staying in Berlin depending on how, where he got a flat first and after one and a half months of looking he found a flat in Berlin that's like mm -hmm. super fast I think yeah we're helping him move on Sunday a bit because he will get the keys uh -huh. today and a bit on the week uh, on the weekend first weekend in October so I'm looking forward to having a the whole gang back together because now he's living about one and a half hours per car away from Berlin and heavy and now he's moving 10 10 minutes from me with bike 
So it's basically next door, and nice, I'm excited for that. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. Definitely very lucky to get a flat here in Berlin, uh, especially in, I don't know, 10, 10 minutes with bike from you. It's, it's a pretty good area anyway, in any direction you can really go. So Yeah, but anyways, that's uh -huh. about my week. There was nothing spectacular except these two amazing TTRPG sessions we had. One other thing is um, just yesterday when I went home from one of my other TTRPG sessions, um, I had a very cool realization regarding Titan's Core, which is very fun because... I've had I have I've had some ideas, but now they all click together for the first time, really. So I wrote it all down to to store it uh, because I today already. But I also realized because uh, the trailer is filled with little 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 hints and tidbits about everything. Some of them make sense, some of them don't. And the funny thing is, one of the lines, one of the special lines, uh, has a very has three different meanings, and that's the cool part. <laughs> okay. Three months later, after I that line. I mean, you all you planned that the whole time, right? No, <laughs> no, I, I definitely yeah. did not. That's the biggest part of it. I really didn't plan for that. But that line, so the line references something that is very close in in the sense of it's in the first few episodes of the show. Hmm. Second of all, it references something that is farther out, like you could say in the middle range, that has an impact on the story, but has been hinted at. Mm -hmm. And third is something that is so far out that you guys don't even know about it yet. Oh, damn. This one line spans it, the whole fucking It spans fucking the whole Amazing. fucking story. It, this one line is going to be the crux of my whole campaign. I already know this yet. And you bet your ass on my way to work today, I'm going to listen to that trailer over and <laughs> the, over again. The line isn't hard to figure out, mean. I feel. <laughs> the problem is to figure out what it means. And yeah, um, I'm definitely not stewing over that one today. Mm -mm. <laughs> With that line, I already also found out what's the what the first episode of Titans called is going to be called. So very big revelations okay, here. Okay. But it's very fun because three to four months later, after creating the trailer for our show, I have finally clicked with what I actually wrote in the trailer and realized how the story is going to go. I don't know if that is something that turns people off of the show or turns them on onto the show. I don't know, but I can guarantee you that the story is very deep, very complex, but very fun. Oh, yeah. And you're just at the beginning. Oh, I already have ideas so vast that you can't even comprehend them, Nils. Oh. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I get what you mean that sometimes you I just another do something. I need to write this yeah. down. Please, please keep talking. Please keep talking. Okay. Sometimes I plan something or write something and then a couple sessions or months or time period X later, I figure out how can, or I realize how I can connect this thing in other ways than I just had prepared or in multiple ways with multiple connection points and then just spend this and weave it through the whole story again and then have reconnection points to that one thing right from the start and i think at least for me that's in a natural process because once i write something i don't see the whole fucking picture but the longer i play in that session or in that campaign the bigger the picture gets and the more connections i can make it it, it comes I think back for, to the campaign themes episode that. we did right where where you had these themes and you come back yeah. to them and and try to align with them all the time and that line that i wrote that quote is kind of that theme of the story was one of the many themes mm. but yeah i don't want to spoil it anymore so let's jump to episode 85 about gm mindsets and that you should probably think more about what you think when you <laughs> gm see you then 
Hey everyone and welcome to the mid-roll of the show. If you are enjoying the show and content, why not subscribe or follow the show right now on whichever platform you are listening on so you can stay up to date with all episode releases. Then next you can search us up on social media at DoubleDMPod or click the links in the info box of this episode to find our social media channels and follow us there if you want to stay up to date with all scheduling information and episode announcements. If you follow us on Twitter, you will also get a plethora of social media posts as I spend way too much time on that platform. But hey, I have funny conversations with people like you and post memes, so that's a great thing. And lastly, if you want to help the show out even further, rate and review us on your platform. A quick 5 star rating or a few sentence review really gives us the feedback we need to improve the show and help other people find our show too. And hey, you can also just tell a friend about the fun you had learning with us and get them to listen in too. Also, we want to say that our show has open advertisement slots for you to book. Just head on over to our Twitter or email address doubledmpod at gmail.com to get into contact with us about getting your content shown on our show. And now, an ad from masterscreen.app. Do you want a lightweight, easy to use and free application for your tabletop role-playing campaigns? Masterscreen is the ultimate set of tools for running tabletop or online role-playing campaigns and managing intricate fictional worlds as well. This incredible browser application can run on any device and also works offline so you can edit your files basically everywhere. This awesome campaign manager allows you to level up your notes and organizations so you have to spend less time in your notes and more time in the action of your games. The focus on the simple yet beautiful design makes for great and intuitive use for every tabletop role-playing game and as time goes on there will be even more features to create a one-stop get-all for game masters wanting to level up their game. And remember. All of that is for the low price of free and requires no downloads. So go to masterscreen.app to start becoming the master behind the screen you were meant to be. You can find the link in the description. So Nils, I've been browsing Twitter the other day, browsing Reddit uh, as well. And you know, stuff comes up, right? Uh, especially yeah. in these discussion forums, which Twitter and Reddit are, you you get to see discussions. You get to see people talking about stuff. And I've seen a post, I've seen actually several posts, but one of the posts, for example, was uh, in quotation marks, uh, how do I counter my players doing X, Y, Z? How do I make sure that they don't abuse this feature they have? And the poster wasn't asking that question, right? They were saying, no, fuck that question basically yeah because you're obviously not out to counter your players core abilities in DD. because for example you get a character that has a flying speed we get an aerococra or a tiefling which also get wings or other creatures that have some kind of flying ability or way to fly and are like hmm i don't like that because flying isn't fun for me because it takes total fun out of my encounters and now my bandits or whatever have to watch out for the flying creature and they don't have anything to reach the flying creature the flying spellcaster that just casts spells from 30 feet up in the air and can't be reached by anything how do i counter that and i get that question itself it's a normal question you ask yourself because obviously you want to present a fun challenge for your players but the problem is with the way it's asked how do i counter my players feature yeah i think it all comes down to basically a mindset question mm -hmm. that you're not slipping up into this i am working against my players mm -hmm. mindset yeah you are playing the opposing characters or entities mm -hmm. in the game but you yourself shouldn't be mm -hmm. the opposing entity to your players yeah and i think the the slip up there can happen really quickly mm -hmm. if you're not careful especially in this situation it isn't even that bad of a slip up right i've asked myself that question myself mm -hmm. and i think many people 
people have. Oh, yeah. And a lot of GMs realize that the question they ask themselves, while they have asked themselves, isn't the best question to ask in this situation. It's not, mm. how do I counter a player with a flying speed? Or how do I challenge a player with a flying speed? Or the question should rather be, how do I challenge a player with a flying speed? Yeah. Right? How do I present a challenge for them? Well, a very easy challenge for a flying creature is let them fight indoors. They cannot fly up. They are still reachable from the ground. Yep. So that has nothing to do with countering that person's flying ability outright. It's presenting a different challenge to them. Yeah. Obviously, that answer to that question then also should shouldn't be just only fight indoors. The th problem becomes if their player has a flying speed, they want to use it. And you should let them use it. You should want to let them use it, right? It should be, as a GM, part of my mindset is when my players have a cool feature, I want them to use it against me. I'm not necessarily presenting clear opportunities for them to do it, right? For example, another post that I saw was someone saying DMs shoot ranged weapons at your monks so they can use their ability to deflect missile. And I was like, at first, that's the exact opposite, right? Giving mm -hmm. your players ways to engage with their abilities. But at the same time, I was like, well, that's bad game design. <laughs> because if I as the GM have to make a decision for my players to actually get to use an ability, that kind of makes the ability bad, right? Because yeah. the way to counter that ability is easy. Never shoot at them with a ranged weapon. Th that's boring for the monk players. And this, that's why they say that. They want to be shot at. But it needs to happen organically in the game. Mm -hmm. I think a way for that is not asking yourself the question, how can I counter that ability mm -hmm. but how would my uh, or how would the enemies of that characters deal with the ability that character has mm -hmm. once they found out because you don't know a monk can deflect missiles if you haven't shot at him once mm -hmm. but for example if the monk is running at full speed towards your ranged bowman or whatever it is mm -hmm. and they just deflect missiles left and right they might be smart enough especially if there's a leader in there somewhere mm -hmm. to say hey it might not be the best idea to shoot the one that can catch the arrows and throw them back at us mm -hmm. it's more of a learning curve and how can yeah. the enemies that you control deal with the problem or the challenge mm -hmm. your players provide them with mm -hmm. i really think that it's that question you ask yourself how do i counter this how do i deal with this should actually be a question you ask yourself in an encounter and and you can design good encounters with that obviously you as a gm can know the answer to that question it's very easy again to counter a player's ability for example the monks just don't shoot at them that's very easy but if you have a, a character that has a ranged weapon they will probably first stay at range shoot at everyone and when the monk deflects they know huh, huh, not shoot at that one again exactly and that's very easy then you didn't make that decision oh well you did but you made them for a character in the game where it would make sense mm -hmm. at the same time right if you have a character that has flying speed it's okay to put them into a room once or twice in a fight so just to make to counter that ability because it isn't just about countering then it's just about the situation they are in and situation mm -hmm. is just not favorable to them and that is okay for players the problem is if you then if, if your decision is well if my player has flying i will make sure that they never fly again yeah that's the problem you take exactly. away the fun at the same time if it happens just organically if you do not pay attention to their flight ability in your fight design you will get on average enough fights where it's useful and enough fights where it's not useful and some fights where it's just somewhat useful and they're like yeah hey well that works or where it's kind of disadvantageous or just neutral and they don't even use it because it just wouldn't change anything if you just don't pay too much attention to create 
making that very challenging combat for your players and more focus on creating a challenging creature or environment, you mm. will realize that you do not need to counter or challenge your players' characters at all because they will be yeah. challenged by the surroundings in some way or another anyway. Exactly. You can slip up into this complete mindset quickly when you completely and only ask yourself the question how to mm. counter. I think it's mm. a lot of a wording thing because yeah. th that kind of dictates mindset sometimes. If you only think in a versus mindset, it's not advantageous or beneficial for all of the game. Yeah. One of the things is, for example, right, D&D, as we've talked about a lot about the show, is a combat system. And if the advice is uh, how do I... My players are completely destroying combat and I don't know how to challenge them in combat. And someone says, well, don't use combat. First of all, okay, yeah, sure. Don't just only do combat in D&D. You can do social interactions. You can do exploration. But D&D itself is focused on combat. The players will want to use their abilities on their sheet. They want to do the cool stuff they can as a character, but they need combat for that. So the answer to how do I challenge my players in combat or how my players are completely destroying combat, what do I do, is not stop using combat. It's about changing your combat. We did mm -hmm. an episode on that. We did a few episodes on how to make combats cool and dramatic and whatever. And you should listen to those if you want to find out more about really making better combats. But the question itself, how do I, my players are completely destroying my combats, what do I do? The answer cannot be just stop combat because that is just taking away probably the fun of these players because they're enjoying that probably. They have these cool characters and their cool features and if you take those features away from them, even though it isn't necessarily malicious in this moment because you just wanted them to, to challenge them in a different way, but you didn't realize that some of the features in D&D, for example, the deflect missile or the stunning strike or the smite from a paladin, the eldritch blast of a warlock, they are only useful in combats hmm. or have a very few cases outside combat that only happen for flavor. Yeah. Like, for example, the paladin smiting the chair next to the noble to say them, well, next time it's your chair you're sitting in or whatever. Hmm. Isn't necessarily a fight, but it's an, it's an intimidation. Sure, works. But still, the smite itself is a combat feature. And if you take combat away, you take all the combat features away. Most of the time, these people do not realize that. And it's not bad that you didn't realize that. I, I want to make this very clear. It's not bad to ask these questions or to take these very easy solutions. But oftentimes, they are not the necessarily best solution. Yeah. Especially in these cases, right? If you ask yourself stuff about your characters, how, how do I challenge them? How do I counter them? Whatever question, it doesn't have to be these negative ones. It can also be, how do I enable them to do their stuff? It's not necessarily always best to take the easiest answer because you because just because you have an answer doesn't mean that you also have a solution. Exactly. That's a good quote. No, but it's not just about this, an answer. It's about a solution and you need to think about your answer to your question first. Think about it. Understand what that means. Understand the implications. Understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if that then still works, it's a solution. Exactly. And then you should apply it. And if it then doesn't work for whatever reason, your players give you feedback. Hey, that session was kind of weird or uh, we haven't really done this in a lot of long time. I want to fight outside on an open field so I can use my flyability again. Take that feedback and give it to your players. They're telling you in good faith, hey, this was my fun and it's now missing for me. Can I get it back? And again, don't think about it like you're the bad one here. In that instance, you just made a mistake. Not even the big mistake. You didn't even really make a mistake at all. You just 
just made a decision that kind of didn't play out in favor of the table's fun. Exactly. And that happens on the player and GM side. The best thing you can do is assess why it didn't work or what went wrong and then just try again. Don't care about it too much. Take it as good feedback and try to internalize the lessons learned. Exactly. And I think something like this cannot be avoided at um, at all because mm-hmm. especially the larger the group you're playing with is, the bigger the disparity between the fun can be. Mm-hmm. And some people, some players of your in your campaign might like combat very much. The others might not. And then you cannot always cater to all the needs of every player, but you have to find the right balance between them. And one way to find the perfect balance is just, as Emil just said, get feedback and act mm-hmm. upon that feedback. Mm-hmm. And don't get the feedback in a vacuum, right? You talk about it at the table while everyone's still there, while the session is fresh on everyone's mind. Talk about it. I know some people need some time to process. That's good as well. But the best feedback I get is when I and all my players talk together about the session. Mm-hmm. Because if one player gives you feedback, I didn't. I do not enjoy fights that are on open fields because of whatever reason. But one other player has the flying ability and wants to use it. That needs to be discussed and not just because you you're not right just because you're implementing someone else's feedback to get your game better doesn't mean that you're also improving everyone else's fun exactly you need to know if everyone else is also cool with that idea um sometimes it's also good to obviously talk about things in private with a player if they want to talk in private about stuff because that could be a very big thing as well and you should as a gm give them that safe space to talk about the stuff because they need it at that moment they need to confide in you as the gm so you should let them it's about assessing the feedback it's about not bringing in everything at once and and knowing what it means to bring in new stuff for your players right so for example uh, with one of my groups i have three people that very much enjoy combats and i have one person that doesn't enjoy combats in general but likes the good combats i do not Mm -hmm. all of my combats are good but most of them are at least what i get from the feedback so i assess why are these combats good for this person well because they can get to use their creative spells in a creative cool way because the environment is cool the enemies have cool things and everything is changing and dynamic and they can use their spells creatively it's not just using scorching ray over and over and over again against this enemy it's about vortex warping one of your friends back to the platform you're fighting on it's about i don't know building a wall of magic around you or whatever right it's about these fun uses for them so Mm. my combats tend to be a little bit more creative because the one players just want to deal much damage want to have tactical combats or whatever but i can do that plus adding very cool features that, that allow and cool environments that allow my players to engage creatively with the world and that exactly. feedback helped the whole party not just that one person the others didn't even realize that they also liked that or wanted more of that and mm. now they got more of it and that's great and that's the type of stuff right now talking about the different about basically the flip side of this right again we're here to talk about a little bit about jamming mindsets and how to avoid certain things and how to do certain things correctly so we need to talk about adversarial jamming yeah so Niels did you have any experiences with that not necessarily you yourself being one or did you have one adversarial GM or anything really I I gotta be honest I think in my early days Mm -hmm. when I started I was Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. because I had no fucking experience with anything TTRPG related Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and we all just started somewhere Mm -hmm. and and we all had this okay I am I play the enemies so I have to be against my players Mm -hmm. and I was in that mindset sometime but not for long because we all figured out eventually okay well yeah I play the enemies but I am not 
the enemy. I still want my players to succeed. But I was in that I versus the players mindset, mm. especially in the start. Yeah, I think I think that's really the, the core of adversarial GMing, right? You're against the players. Mm. Um, uh, I have also, I mean, I'm just going to say it, I also kind of slipped a little bit into that mindset in the early days. I think actually in the early days, you're very susceptible to those questions we asked in the beginning or those questions we had in the beginning. And because as you said, you do not have any idea what's going on. You're probably overwhelmed by everything. Oh, yeah. And again, if you're a new GM listening to this, it's okay. It's okay to be overwhelmed. It's okay to not understand what you're doing because GMing, as much as we are a show about getting better at GMing, <laughs> you need to learn it yourself. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. You you have to do it yourself. You, you can get as much advice as you want from this show, how not to DM, any YouTuber basically about GMing. It just isn't enough to soak up the advice because you need to learn how to apply it. And that you can only learn by playing. And that's why it's okay to make these mistakes by slipping up into this. I don't even want to say that you're an adversarial GM just because you slipped into the mindset once. Because you're not. One of the fun things is for me, oftentimes, right, it's really just about learning this. In my first GMing session ever, I GMed for basically veterans of the game. Um, they haven't played for a long time. So I was actually more well versed in everything about the games and, and the type of way the play the players but they had a different mindset than me and there were oftentimes i put roadblocks into the way where the roadblocks were kind of given by the game right for example something from the princess quarters was stolen and the players were the heroes that obviously wanted to take up this quest to find the thief and bring the treasure back but i wouldn't let them go into the princess quarters yeah like understandable these are random people that are not let in by the butlers but i should have let them in maybe with a challenge with a roadblock that could be uh, circumvented but I just didn't mm. and I know now that is a big mistake because it obviously didn't allow them to actually understand what was stolen where it was stolen from and how it was stolen from in the first place I just wanted them to go after the thief into some direction and that was the problem that was an adversarial moment because I just didn't want them to go into that room but I should have wanted them to get in but just made it hard and that's a difference that's a big fucking difference and people oh, yeah. need to understand that there's a difference between not wanting to let your players go into the room and making it hard for them to get into the room because obviously it would be hard to get into that room the butler doesn't want random people from the streets in the princess quarters but the players need to be there so how do the players get there that's the thing they need to decide yeah and i think overall it's okay to have in your stories closed off doors obviously as right. long as they are just closed and still just don't take out the whole door and just replace it with a wall. Mm -hmm. There has to be some way to get in mm -hmm. through that story branch or whatever you are having. One tip that I can give is be a fan of your players. Yeah, I have a problem with, with that tip, in my opinion. It's not a bad tip. I've given it myself, but... It feels so directionless. Problem is, it's one of these tips that can be given everywhere, which isn't necessarily bad, but I always feel like there's a better tip for the situation you're in mm. um, than be a fan of your players or have fun. It's one of the other tips. Have fun. Yeah, thank you. That's the point of the game. Yeah. It just doesn't work to tell me have fun. It, it just doesn't work that way. I want to ask you, how can I make the game more fun? The answer 
isn't have fun hmm. or be a fan is a little bit better than that but it's just directionless it, it's not aimed at any specific problem or question and i think that's the problem with it for me yeah i, I get that but i think it, it helps in giving the right direction for your the mindset, mindset. yeah and for sure once for sure. you have once you have that mindset direction figured out mm -hmm. the rest mostly comes natural or through yeah. other tips in, that are more specific I think it actually, it doesn't necessarily come that natural. Yeah. I agree fully for you. It's a direction, but it's just, right, I've heard that advice pointed basically on, on a lot of different questions. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem for me, right? And I think in, uh, in most questions, it doesn't, just doesn't make any sense. Also, it's also sometimes the same advice is that one of the biggest advice that I've, I've always given, and this show is basically all about, is communicating. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the biggest advice, but it's kind of pointless. That's why this show has very specific centered episodes where that advice drops in every now and then because now it can be applied to a specific thing right if you want to create fun challenges for your players be a fan of them because that means you know what they enjoy doing in a fight and then yeah. you can play with that yeah and i think uh, one thing that you have to kind of keep in mind is that you as a gm should want your players to succeed but the enemies mm. you control don't want them to succeed yeah and i think you have to be at least aware of this gap between the mm -hmm. the two mindset parts that you are yeah. playing the enemies but you yourself still want them to succeed because you want a great story to be told actually the fun thing is I've kind of grown over the time to be a little bit more indifferent to if my players succeed or not. Mm. Right? I'm still, I still want to have a fun game with my friends. But failure is a big part of sometimes our fun. Yeah. It, it, failure just means that, um, because failure for me isn't the ending of something. It's a setback that needs to be overcome. It's a hurdle that needs to be overcome. And if it's then overcome, the success is just that much sweeter. Oh yeah, it is. If the players lose one of the fights against the BBEG and have to train and come back stronger that's real victory yeah right even though they lost at first even though uh, but, but the thing is obviously you didn't want them to lose but you also didn't want them to win in that fight against the bbg in that first fight necessarily yeah you wanted them to just engage with the bbg mm. and i think that's where it lies for me yeah it's i want them to have fun Five minutes ago, I said that that's bullshit as an advice. But right, th that's my mindset. It's not about I want them to win or I want them to succeed. I want them to have fun. Hmm. And I know failure can be just as fun as a success if it's oh, yeah. done right, if it's engaged with right. It, it, the thing is about failure, how it comes. Does it come by basically just barely defeated? The players just barely lost. And there was victory in their grasp. Because that means it's okay, we can win. Mm -hmm. Or was it done again by the adversarial GM that places of ancient red dragon against their party level one? Yeah. Yeah, that failure is clear and that is no fun mm -hmm. for anyone. Really not. And if it is fun for you, good to you. I don't want to play with you. Yeah. That's my opinion. Play your game, but keep it away from me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think challenging your players or giving them challenges that they can engage in where the outcome isn't necessarily just decided yeah. is a lot of fun because it can shit can go sideways real quick mm -hmm. in either way. Mm -hmm. like, like we said, no single point of failure. It just can go in any direction at any point in time, yeah. always. And I think that's where it lies for me, right? The mindset of I want my players to succeed can. I'm not saying that 
many people slip into that direction. But I myself have slipped into that direction once and I didn't like it of I will make sure they succeed. Mm. And that's the problem once again. That's the completely different opposite of the adversarial GM. I will make sure they lose. But it's the exact same outcome. It becomes mm. an Iron Fist GM. The GM that gets their will no matter what. Right? The thing about Iron Fist GMing is that it's GMs getting their way. And you as a GM, it's very easy to get your way. It's very, very easy to get what you want. But the thing is, you can get what you want. You just have to make sure that it's not at the loss of the player's fun or what they want. Mm. Right? Same goes, however, for being a player. If you're a player, you should make sure that everyone around you at the table is also getting what they want. Fun at first, right? For me, it's fun. The thing is, I can sit in the session and do three hours of nothing and just listening to the other players role playing and doing their thing. I would still have fun with that. Hell yeah. But that's me as a player. Some people don't. And you need to watch out that these people then get their engagement some way. As a player, sometimes maybe ask them. Go directly at the player and say, what do you want to do? Or what does your character want to do? Same goes for the DM. Go ask that player or switch the scene to that player. Let them be able to engage with the game yeah. for that moment, right? But that's the thing. If you're a GM, it's very easy to get what you want. And you need to watch out that you don't get what you want at the at the expense of your players. Yeah. But it's okay to get what you want. You as a GM do not need to bend over backwards just for your players. That's another thing. That's another mindset of this. I do everything for my players and nothing for myself. And if your mindset is, I just want my players to have fun, then obviously that's still kind of that bending over backwards mindset for me. There are certain things that I want from my campaigns. My Phantoms of Chaos campaign has been said as I want you guys to explore the world. I want you guys to explore the mysteries of this chaos that is persisting in the world. Because there's a natural force called chaos and no one really knows how it works. And that's kind of where the campaign goes. And I'm pushing that into the game mm -hmm. because I wanted it. I told the players I wanted it and I'm now pushing it into the game in different ways. But the thing is, my players get to decide if and how and why they engage with it. Yeah, it, I think it, uh, a lot of uh, this comes back to keeping your players or giving your players agency again. Mm -hmm. Or how to counter, in qu quotation marks, the adversarial GM mindset is... Just give your players agency. Mm -hmm. Because if you give them agency, there's nothing really that you can do about it if you let them do stuff. It sounds repetitive. To, uh, if you don't want to let them do stuff, let them do stuff. It sounds weird, but... This is the best thing that I can think of mm -hmm. on the top of my head. It's just, yeah, let them do what they want for a bit. And then, again, go ahead with the story. It, it can be better for you sometimes to mm -hmm. ease into the complete agency part step by step and not from mm -hmm. zero to 100. Yeah, don't throw your players into a sandbox world just because it's something someone has said because agency is good. Exactly. Because agency is good. But for me, I don't like pointless agency. I don't like not being presented with a quest to engage in my way or with not necessarily just a quest in the traditional sense but just some story beat some scenario a dragon is attacking the city you're in what do you do that's good agency because i get to decide do i want to fight do i want to run do i want to rob the fucking bank or whatever in that chaos mm -hmm. that's a that's an example for my opinion good agency pointless agency is for me you're in a desert which direction do you go well which direction can i go uh, 
all of them. Yeah, but do I know what is in what direction? Right? I need information. I need something mm -hmm. to work off of. My player isn't just gonna be set in the sandbox and do whatever the fuck he... Like, sure, he has a personal quest, but you need the GM or the world needs to give me some beats to work with. Yeah. And those beats as a GM are what you want your players to do. For example, hey, I want my players to fight a dragon. So why not let the dragon attack the village they're in? Mm -hmm. Boom. You get what you want. Probably. Your players will probably engage in somewhere with that dragon. Maybe your players will, however, talk it out of its attack instead of fighting it. That is sometimes and then you have to let your players do that stuff because you presented the beat of let them engage with the dragon. And yeah. that is the beat. And that is how <laughs> you get what you want. But let your players decide how it plays out. Exactly. And that's the kind of play where it is. Presenting beats, reacting to one another, being active and then reacting, being active and reacting, active and reaction, action and reaction, that type of stuff. And it can come from both sides. Sometimes you as a mm -hmm. GM need to act and your players let you react, but sometimes your players should act as well. Sometimes they should have the full agency and decide whatever they want, the fuck they want to do now. Yeah, I think this uh, action-reaction dynamic should mm. change throughout the adventures you have with your players mm -hmm. multiple times. Because depending on the story that you are telling, sometimes the big bad is starting stuff and your players are reacting to it, but they reacted in a way that gives them an opportunity to do something of their own. And then mm -hmm. the action economy, you could say, is shifted to their side. Now they do something and the big bad has to react to their action that they took. Mm -hmm. And I think this, when you give your, uh, enough directed agency to your players, mm -hmm. I think that, it, at least in my games, this usually comes naturally. Yeah, that's the thing I wanted to say. It always comes naturally if you just go with the flow of your game, mm -hmm. right? As with in some other episodes I've already said, this episode isn't necessarily pointless, but it's an episode where if you think about it, it can be either very good or very bad. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it's just good to just go with the flow and just play and not mm -hmm. care about if you're doing a good job or not. Just play the game. Because, yes, sometimes you will have moments where you may be an adversarial or iron fist or whatever you want to call the GM. Yes, sometimes that happens. But it doesn't mean that you're one of those people. Exactly. You're not an asshole for having that one slip-up moment to not give your player what they want. Because maybe your player was the fucking asshole all along, right? It's what my character would do. Sometimes, right? The thing is about this, it's what my character would do. It's such a weird phrase for me with how it's being used. Because it's been monikered to be that phrase that is just being used by people that want to excuse their assholery in character by, well, I have this shady rogue that would steal from the party members. It's what my character would do. But at the same time, it's also a thing about, I have a paladin and he wants to do good and he knows people are in danger he doesn't fucking care what the rest of the party wants it's what my character would do mm. that's not as holery that's still playing your character that's presenting a challenge to the other players as well this paladin is going it's your decision if you go with him stop him or whatever you do right that's not as holery for me but the thing is it's often used as a disguise for as holery by people but yep. at the same time it's also a phrase that is just being used by people that are actually playing their character to what they wanted to do in the game to doing that and yeah. to telling the others no my character would go save this village even though he knows we're on a time crunch and have to get to the other city first he doesn't care he will go there because he has to he is a fighter he's a paladin he wants to help people yeah and i mean it's a role-playing game you're not just playing generic hero a with a mm. different kind of backstory that you put out on the campfire nights mm. it's something you play a character and mm. yeah please play that character but don't use the phrase that's what my character would do just to be an asshole 
Yeah, right? It's it's don't use it to disguise yourself as an asshole, but just because that phrase has been monikered by that connotation of assholes using it, it's kind of a bad phrase all around already, even though itself it isn't. Yeah, regarding that is how many times I have done something that was suboptimal if you mm-hmm. viewed it as objectively was a suboptimal decision and I as a player knew that it was a suboptimal decision but I tried to factor in what my character knows and his personality or their personality within that moment and how Mm. they feel and then made an educated guess on what my character would do even though it might not be the best optimal outcome in that situation because I am here to play a fucking character and not myself with the knowledge that um, I have from a scene that my character wasn't even part of Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's an asshole move if I say yeah i just knock on the door when i as a player know the rogue is already in the room Mm -hmm. but my character doesn't know i wouldn't say it's an asshole move Mm -hmm. yeah because i'm just acting on the information my character has Mm -hmm. that's just something i wanted to add yeah no i i really agree with that i think uh, going back to uh the gming side because this podcast is still about a bit more about gming right again to the mindset it's know what you want to do but realize what you're doing it's very easy to just do stuff But it's hard to think about that stuff sometimes. Sometimes you don't need to think. But sometimes it's very good to evaluate what do I actually want from my games? What do I want from my players to do? Because if you want something from your players, ask them. Tell Mm. them. If you want your players to follow a quest, you as a GM can say, go that quest. Either verbally, verbatim, outside the game. Or by making that quest somewhat delicious for them. Or by making it the only quest. Or by whatever. That's the direction you nudge your players into. It doesn't mean that you're a bad GM because other people are saying you need to give your players the full freedom of of the free will. Eh, no. It's it's really about, <laughs> as we said so many times, find your own GMing style. Some people enjoy this more freestyle type. Some people enjoy the more directed type. Some people enjoy more combat. Some people enjoy less combat. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's not very easy to answer the question. Now I'm going to make just a play at, uh, at another show, uh, how not to DM. It's not so easy to answer that question. <laughs> Hello, Derek, if you're listening. <laughs> no, but really, right? Everyone GMs differently. And that's why some people who are... That's why I want to say, not everyone that has challenging combats for their players that are deadly every time is an adversarial GM. Because maybe they just cultivated over time their style with their players that enjoy that type of style. Exactly. That's not a bad GM. The bad GM is someone that has a mindset and wants their way with a group of players where there is a disconnect. Where there is the GM not going for the fun of the table with their mindset. Sure, that same goes for players. Some players go also against the table fun. So I'm not saying that this is only a GM problem, but this is about GMing. So I'm going to focus on that side. But no, really, no one is a bad GM if they have the right group for their mindset. Exactly. But as a GM, you need to know your group to know which mindset to basically get out of the suitcase and put on for the game session. Exactly. And I can say I personally have two groups that couldn't be more different mm-hmm. sometimes. I have one group that we all decided we sat together in session zero and through a couple of feedback sessions after that, that they don't enjoy too much 
combat, but when we have mm -hmm. combat, it should be deadly as hell. And I said, mm -hmm. okay, sure, I can do a deal with that. That's fine for me. We can do that. But then I will use tactics and blah and all of that stuff. Completely, mm -hmm. uh, completely fine with me, if that's fine with you. And uh, another group is, yeah, combat's here and there, okay, but most of the time, let's just keep it chill. And I can, I have mm -hmm. to switch between those two mindsets because they're completely different, but still catered to that table that we were, uh, that we are playing at. That doesn't mean necessarily I'm, uh, or that doesn't mean I'm an adversarial DM. Mm -hmm. I just use the mindset that I need to use for that group because we all agreed that this is the thing we all had fun with. Mm -hmm. And this is some communication that you have to have beforehand or even during your sessions with feedback rounds before or mm -hmm. after or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. The thing is, I, ha I have the same thing. I have a lot of groups and I play different game with each of them. Even though the base games might be the same, we might play D&D &D 5e in several of these groups, but the games couldn't be more different from each other mm -hmm. because the feeling is different, because the players are different, because the group plays differently together, the characters are different and everything is different. And I as a GM need to put out different mindsets for these. Exactly. That's why I think no one is a bad GM at first glance because their style might not just be for me. Sure, if you're an asshole at, at the table, that isn't just about being a bad GM. It's about being a bad person. Yeah. And that's something different. An asshole. Yeah. The only way you can really be a bad GM is being inconsiderate of the other players by being an asshole. Exactly. That's the same time if you're a player. But the thing is that um, just because your style is a certain style, if there are people that enjoy that style, you cannot be a bad GM for those people. Exactly. Just because your combats are hard doesn't make you bad. Just because you use no combats at all doesn't make you bad. It's all about finding the right style for you and the people you're playing with. But the thing is that at the same time, you still can stop yourself at many points and say no because i still stand by the thing that i said in the beginning how do i counter my players it's not a good question to ask it's the wrong mindset hmm. because you don't want to counter your players because maybe you want to counter your players in that moment you want to but you don't want the fallout of that of the player having less fun at the table you don't want that fallout but you didn't think so think far enough to think about that hmm. maybe the best thing is to not counter the players but challenge them in different ways right let them use their flying ability but challenge them in completely different ways if it's a flying spellcaster why not challenge their spellcasting ability hmm. that's the that's challenging in a completely different way but it's challenging nonetheless yeah and that's where it is right i think the thing about this episode is the big advice is you're not a bad gm no matter what you do really as long as you try to play the game in the way they are intended to do and that is with a group of friends around the table having fun exactly and then at the same time think Think further than just the initial thought. Don't just get an answer. Get a solution to your problems. And exactly. that's really where you want to be. You need to think further. Sometimes just thinking one step ahead isn't enough. Sometimes you need to think three steps ahead of your decisions you're making in your game. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't. But sometimes it's very good to just take a step back, look at your things you're doing in your game, be it story, be it, a be it an encounter, be it an NPC, whatever, and think about what this means. Yeah. Because you know, sometimes these implications will roll over you and try and make you do stuff you didn't want to do. And you don't want that. So sometimes take a step back and think it a bit more through and then you will find that it's actually very easy to GM. Yeah. <laughs> but it's 
being hard at the same time. <laughs> Jamming is such a weird concept, really. Again, yeah. I've made 85 episodes on this topic, and I've jammed for five more years than the two years I've done these episodes in. And it's still such a weird concept to me. <laughs> yeah, but because it's just a completely ambivalent role you have to assume. Because mm -hmm. you are part of the group and want to have fun, but on the other hand, you have to try to challenge your players and juggle all of these different things, craft a story with your table, and but still not let everything run completely wild to have a bit of structure in there but not too much structure and this is something you have to juggle it's completely bonkers that mo one of the most easy jobs at the table while also being one of the hardest it's a weird thing J jamming is weird yeah i think that's takeaway from today <laughs> jamming is weird we covered some thing about mindset because as we said jamming is weird there isn't we can't cover all of the mindsets mm -hmm. because it's a spectrum people there's no three mindsets that you can fall into one a b or c it's the whole fucking alphabet you and other every other alphabet as well it's completely mm -hmm. weird but yeah our stances are uh, or got clearer in, uh, through this episode as per usual you can find us on twitter and instagram at wdmpod you could also visit our website at www.wdm.com we also have a ko-fi if you would like to check that out and please if you like the show leave us a review a like or whatever on your favorite podcasting listening platform of your choice with mm -hmm. that thank you for listening see you on the next one and bye 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 bye